to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Over many years, since we began at Life, you know, people have at times said, you know, I, I, I love church. I just, I kind of, I just don't like when there's any mention around money. <laughs> and you know, with grace, I've said, like we just heard, there are, I don't know, 80% of our world currently that are still looking for their rescue. That legacy is literally for all of us in each campus. Those of us that are part of the Life Vision, as I said earlier on in Melbourne in lockdown, we get a feeling of what it is to be out of control. And the message of Jesus was that Jesus didn't come to bring religion, He he came to bring the Father's heart to each one of those that experience His forgiveness. That no longer would our world just be around our little circle and around the things that we want. And yet Jesus said, you know, the Father in heaven wants you to have the desires of your heart. But not at the expense of becoming a hand that can help her a heart that can embrace, a life that can. So you know what? We're happy to go out, go without some of the things that maybe those around us are enjoying so that someone else, in the words of the video, can find their rescue. As a 13-year-old boy, I think it was in the first week of on my bike to high school, big venture. And that day I'll never forget, some of you have heard the story where my friends were talking about what they wanted to do at the end of high school. And I felt for the first time, God say to me, you're gonna serve me in the church. And even though I would have loved to do some of those other things, I just said, yep, okay. That became a defining point in my life. And here I am still doing what God asked me to do. Not perfectly. You know, today we're going to have two speakers. We've got Pastor Jeffrey Rahmat from Indonesia. He would have been here today if he could travel. One of the most humble men in the world. Church, I think on Sundays they would have something like 25,000 people out. And he is helping people. But he's discovered that God's kingdom comes through investment. And I mentioned it last week, these words that legacy is the outcome of focused investment. You can't make a difference in the world you live unless you're prepared to go, God, what is it that I've got that you could use to multiply and answer for many? Come on, let's enjoy Pastor Jeffrey and let's respond to him as he shares with us today. Hi, good day to you all, my brothers and sisters at Life Church Auckland. Greeting in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ from Jakarta, Indonesia. I believe that Pastor Paul has already introduced me, so I don't need to repeat myself. I hope that you are well, and most importantly, healthy in the spirit, soul, and body. Thank you, Pastor Paul, for allowing me to speak for today's service. I'm truly honored to be your friend and to be invited back to Life Church. I'm so sorry that I cannot be with you in person. This COVID-19 has changed most of our schedules, but it cannot stop us 
from having church, right? Amen. I remember on my last visit, Pastor Paul and Marie and all the leadership team there were so kind and generous to me. And I also remember that it was my last time uh, meeting our best friend, Cy Rogers, who is now with the Lord. And I'm so eager, actually, to see your new building. Yes, your church building. I was there a few months before it finished. And even then, I could see that the building would be so beautiful. Well, maybe next time, God's willing. Are you ready? I want to start today by reading from the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And I will read from New Living Translation. The members of the council were amazed that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. The disciples of Jesus were ordinary people. Most of them were fishermen. Well, there was there one named Matthew, an ex-tax collector. But they didn't know much about the law, or I should say that they were not as knowledgeable as the religious teachers and the Pharisees. They had no special training in scriptures, the Bible said. I'm sure that they will lose if they were to debate with the Pharisees over the law of Moses. But they had been with Jesus. And that's what most important, isn't it? They've never been exposed to anything big in their lives before. Jesus took them from one place to another, from one village to another, from one city to another. Jesus exposed them to different kinds of people different situations. Basically, they were taken out from their comfort zone. They have never seen so many sick people come and got healed. Blind men could see, the deaf could hear, the leper make hope. A widow's son died and rose again. A woman with constant bleeding for 12 years healed just by touching Jesus' garment. Demon-possessed men delivered. They saw Jesus calm the storm. I mean, living with Jesus changed their whole world completely. And one day, in Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to 2, in this time from New King James Version, then he, Jesus, called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now we see that they were given the opportunity to do it themselves, not just to watch Jesus do it. But now they can do it themselves, healing the sick and casting out demons and preaching the good news to the people. Jesus let them experience the power of God working through them and the joy of helping people and serve their needs. You can tell that they were living a big life. But one day, the game is about to change. And I want to start by reading the same first, you know, the same story that I share at the Financial Leaders Retreat. The title in my session at that retreat was, the, was Cost versus Cause. 
But today's title is Surveying the Multitude. Let's start from Matthew 14, verse 13 to 16. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to, to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Well, pay attention here. Jesus is not saying that I want to give them something to eat. But he said, you, meaning the disciple, you give them something to eat. What? <laughs> this is what I mean by the game is about to change. This was not healing the sick or casting out demons. This was feeding the hungry. This wasn't a one-person meal. This was serving the multitude. Healing the sick and casting out demons it's just one person's need, but this is meeting the need of the, of the community, of the multitude. Jesus, do we need to care about this too? Do we need to solve that problem? Jesus, are you out of your mind? I can imagine the disciples thinking like that. Look how many they are. Obviously, they didn't see this coming. Here we see that Jesus began to stretch their way of thinking. And that's what a good leader would do to you. And remember, the quality of your thinking determines the quality of your life. The quality of your thinking determines the quality of your life. Jesus wanted to upgrade their, their mind, introduce them to new possibilities that they never knew what was possible. Jesus had decided that they needed to give these 5,000 men something to eat. And take note that the women and children were not counting. So clearly it was way above 5,000 people. Jesus wanted to show them that he cared not only for the spiritual, but also the natural. I love the fact that Jesus picked a specific time and place to teach them a lesson. They were at a deserted place, distance from the nearby village, and it was already late, and the people were hungry. Look, if you study the whole event, you will know that the reason they end up at a deserted place is because they try to avoid the multitude, and the disciples wanted to take rest. This happened after Jesus gave the power to them and sent them two by two. And the, the Bible said they were so busy ministering that the disciples had no time to eat. But the multitude found them. Jesus saw that they were like sheep without shepherd, that he began to teach them many things. Jesus was sensitive to the need of the multitude as well as the need 
of his own disciples. Not only that he was sensitive to their need, but also wanted to solve their need. After the disciples were fed, now it's their turn to feed others. And that's how the kingdom of God works, isn't it? You are blessed to be a blessing. But still, to his disciple, this idea of feeding the multitude is crazy. It is easier to just let them go to the villages and buy their own food. Do you know that this event is recorded in all four Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote about this. I think it's because the incident is very significant to the disciples. And please, read them all to get a complete story. You will bless if you get the complete story. Now, let's continue with our story, but now we will read from the book of John. John, John chapter 6, verse 5 to 13. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that this may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denary worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barely loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in numbers about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed, it. He, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, they said to his, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered, up, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five belly loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Jesus asked Philip a very simple question. Where shall we buy bread? He asked for a location. But Philip, already too overwhelmed with the whole idea, and he didn't even answer the question. He said, this is my version, Jesus, for your information, 200 dinary worth of bread is not enough for them. Look at how many of them. Even if they were to just have a little bit, it's not enough. You know, all the miracles that they, the disciple had seen, or the miracles that they had done, didn't cost them anything. But now, they need to make a sacrifice. Now, there is money involved. At least, that is what they thought. It is funny to see how people will react when sacrifice is required, when it costs them something. 
And Philip's response is just like most of us. Our approach to life is merely based on money. It's more about the cost than about the cause. More about how much money will it cost than about the impact on the people. Now, I'm pretty sure that Jesus knew how much money they had, but he wanted to show them that their world does not have to revolve around money. Jesus has already said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the others, the other, or he will be folded to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So if we serve God, if God is in the center of our world, money is no longer the determining factor. Yes, we still need the money, but money is not the determining factor. With God, the determining factor is our faith. Faith makes things possible. Faith is the language of the kingdom. And to do great things for God, we need to see beyond the cost and start to look at the cause, the cause of the kingdom. You cannot stay at the cost level. You need to move on to the next level, which is the cause level. At the cost level, people will always ask this first, how much money will it cost? Not that we don't need to think about the cost, but most of the time the cost overwhelm us so much that we don't even dare to dream or to think about it. But at the cost level, you think about the bigger impact, the impact to the society at large, to the city, and to the generations to come. Andrew, the other disciple of Jesus, found a little boy who was willing to give up his five loaves of bread and two fish, and he brought the bread and the fish to Jesus. I love everything. I pictured this in my mind because Andrew knew that what the little boy had weren't much, but he gave it anyway to Jesus. And he said, while giving it, what are they among so many? But to his surprise, Jesus took those bread and fish anyway. Jesus was showing his disciples not to ignore the little thing that they can find in their hands. This little boy sacrificed what was his to be used by Jesus to feed the multitude. Then Jesus gave thanks to his father. And this is not just showing gratefulness, but most importantly, by doing that, Jesus acknowledged his father because the principle of multiplication originated from God the Father in the beginning of the creation. This is the principle of multiplication. It requires seeds to multiply. Without seed, there is no multiplication. And the seed needs to be released in order for it to multiply. Jesus said in John 12, verse 24, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, 
but if it dies, it produces much grain. This little boy sacrificed what was his to be taken as a seed to be multiplied for many. Look, at the end of the day, after giving up his bread and fish, this little boy could still eat until he was full because God doesn't owe anyone. But because of his sacrifice, not only him, but the multitude could also eat. Beautiful, isn't it? So the hero of this miracle was this little boy. He was willing to sacrifice what belonged to him to be used by Jesus to benefit others. Can you imagine how big is the space they need for 5,000 families to sit down? Meaning that the disciple has to the disciples has to spread around to distribute the bread and the fish. And as they walk around and distribute it, the bread and the fish kept on multiplying until they reached everyone. The multitude didn't have to be afraid. All of them were served and they were able to take their time to eat until they were full. The miracle happened through the hands of the disciples. Can you imagine how excited they were? Well, in this particular event, there are three kinds of people. Number one, people at the receiving end, the multitude, the one who gets the food. Number two, the distributors. Jesus needed his disciple to distribute the food because it's this involves a multitude. They must be organized to, dis to distribute the food. That's why Jesus asked them to sit down in a group of 50. If you read this, this story in the book of Luke. Number three, the one who provided the seed, the one who made the sacrifice, the little boy, and this Group number three is usually smaller than the rest. One little boy can make a huge difference. Jesus taught his disciple a very important lesson that day. To identify the problem in the community and to solve it. Not to be afraid of the big size problem because miracle can always happen as long as they are willing to sacrifice what is theirs to be used as seed for multiplication, for multiplication. Always start with what you have in your hands. And I love how Jesus trained his disciples. Every time I can see progress, every time I can see that he kept adding value to their lives. Jesus taught them to solve not only small problems, but also community problems. Remember, the goal is for the disciples to spread the good news, for them to be fishers of men, to be his witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of this world. They needed to think big and to have faith, to do big things. And we can see the result 
if you look at the book of Acts, when they were dealing 5,000 men with 5,000 men who came to faith. And now, let's turn our attention to another miracle, the same kind of miracle, the same setup, but different in response. Let's turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 32 to 38. Now Jesus called his disciple to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat, and I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Then his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? I can imagine the disciples were like, Here he goes again. But now, I think that the disciples can guess his move. Then they said, seven and few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground and he took the, the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave to the multitude. So they were all ate. They all ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Now, those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. What's the difference this time, Jeffrey? I'm glad you asked. This time, they didn't think that this is a crazy idea. This time, they didn't say, send them to the nearby village to get food. This time, they didn't say, how much money will it cost? And the most important thing is this, this time, they didn't go look for a little boy because this time, they didn't need the little boy because they got it. They have renewed their mind, the disciples. This time, they were the ones who supplied the seed. They gave their bread and fish, and they were also the ones who distributed it. The disciples have upgraded themselves. They were now at the cause level. And I think that's the reason why Jesus challenged them again for the second time. That's why there is a second miracle here. It looks the same, but it's not. And that's what he wanted from them, for his disciples to have the courage to release what was, was, was theirs as a seed, to release what is in their hands to be used to bless many. It is very unfortunate, actually, that not many will look into this miracle because they think it's just the same with the previous one. No, it is not. Now, this month, Through the legacy campaign, your church is giving you the opportunity to make a difference in your community, in your city. Your pastor and the leadership team at Life Church see the big needs in the community and they have faith that they can serve the need for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I encourage you to participate. You can be the seed provider, like the little boy, like the disciples of Jesus. You can move to the cause level, release what you have to be used by God to be multiplied, that many can be served. Jesus is challenging you, Life Church, like He challenged His disciples to solve problems in the community and to leave a legacy for generations to come. I believe that because of you, the community and your city will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that you get my message for today. Thank you so much for listening and have a great Sunday. Hopefully, I will see you again in person in the near future. God bless you, Life Church. Grace and peace. Come on, let's thank Pastor Jeffrey. Amazing. I think I mentioned it last week, but Pastor Jeffrey was here again before the building was completed and uh, he just said to me as he left, what an honour it was to be a part of our church family and that he'd be sending something towards what we're carrying. And so there from Jakarta came a a cheque for $100,000 to just say, hey, we're with you and we believe in you. And the thing about Pastor Jeffrey and of course many people we have relationship with, I think there is something when you meet somebody who doesn't just say what they believe, but they carry and they do what they believe. And I think for me, as I was, again, listening to that earlier in the week, it's kind of like one boy who said yes was literally what began to change the whole course of a whole lot of other people's hunger. And Scripture is given for us, and whether we're online, whether we're in Melbourne, we're here in Auckland, each one of us, God, is looking for those that have encountered Him to understand, not just as a slogan, but that legacy is the outcome of a focused investment. And you can kind of say, well, I'd like to do it one day, but the facts are, Paul, you know, I really don't have much in my hand right now. And yeah, there are at times some accusations when we began to talk about that we were believing crazy stuff that we felt God put on our heart to raise $45 million in three and a half years under our legacy campaign. And you go, 45 million, why? So then our properties here in Auckland could be debt-free and we could commit in 2021 to, as a community, doing more than $20 million worth of community impact every 12 months through the ministry of what's happening in Melbourne and here in Auckland, that we could be a go-to source where there are no answers for individuals and they are still held where they've always been. And as Pastor Jeffrey said, really the story is about Jesus, it's about the disciples, it's about a boy. And three categories of Christian living. There are those that seriously are still in the place of just being a receiver. I'm here because of what I get from this. And there's nothing wrong with receiving. We all need to receive from one another, but it's not the end of the journey. There is then also the investor, which was the boy. And think about it, the boy, oh, well, it was just his lunch. No, that was his lunch. When you're a teenager, your lunch is everything. It's kind of like, 
He didn't say, I'm holding on. He says, this could make a difference. <laughs> and then there were the distributors. Well, what an honour as a church last week for us to give a cheque of a million dollars to the Auckland City Mission. Come on, thank God for everyone that's a part of this mission, part of this family. And so we become the investor into a distributor that for many is gonna provide an answer to their need. And you look at the families in Africa that we saw today and, the, and many of the kids who have no family that find a home. Because somebody understood this. And yet we all go, well, you know, Paul, you just don't understand it's COVID. You just don't understand how hard it is. And maybe I don't, but I do know the Word of God. And 2 Corinthians 9.10 says this, Paul speaking, now may He, God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply, get this, and multiply the seed that you have sown and increased the fruits of your righteousness. While you in the process are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. And the whole teaching of this verse is that God is looking for the act of sowing where He can release seed. And it's in the decision before you see the outcome where faith stands the test and faith stands up and faith is seen in our whole theme over this legacy campaign here we are in 2020 is the final ascent. It's like, like Tenzing Norgay and Edmund Hillary, they conquered with their team the highest mountain of the earth that many believe could never happen. They conquered it to say that with commitment and with understanding and passion and sacrifice, there is nothing that can stand before us. And so we saw last week, literally if, we're gonna reach the summit of what God's asking. All of us need to stir up a tomorrow dream today. <laughs> I'm dreaming about my grandkids and their kids and going, you know what? The enemy might be wanting to screw up our world, but there is gonna be an alternative in our world, which is the church of Jesus Christ. That is gonna say, you know, a lot of the lies that maybe even seem plausible if you don't understand God's Word are not the end of the story. But we've got to carry a dream about the church becoming, she becoming the go-to place. So when the government says, you know, we've got no answer for that. The, the, the nation is in anarchy. We've drifted from all of the values that once our nation stood for. Where can we go? We, we could go to that organisation there. They seem to not just do the job, but they care about the people. I mean, I'm going to get tearful. I pray that I never become a Christian that is just here for what the vision brings to me. I pray we never just are a part of something because it scratches our back. But what we can bring for it that we literally will be the ones that go, you know what, I'd love that meal, but if it's needed right now, 
God said he'll multiply it. And he'll bless me on the way. You know, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, in 1 Corinthians 4.12, he says, you, know, you realise, hey church, you realise we're labouring. In other words, this is tough stuff. Working with our own hands. We're being reviled, re- reviled but we bless. We're being persecuted, but we endure. We're, we're being defamed, but we entreat. And it was just saying, you, you realise this Christian walk is about a different level of living. It's, it's so past who you are and just all of the stuff that you want. And so often, you know, we go, yeah, but you know, the lie of not much. And that's the story of the little boy, one boy who said, yes, it might not be much, but God said he'd multiply it. And I look at that and I think this church on Sunday night last, I was talking about how we started one guitar amp, me on the guitar, not pretty. Then we got a four-way splitter and we could put four backing vocalists into one guitar amp and the guitar on the other one and then Christine Cooper turned up in one of the services and somebody said, that lady can play the piano. So there was a honky-donky piano over side of stage. And in the break, I said, you need to play. And she says, I don't know your songs. I said, we will sing what you can play. (laughs) Out of tune it was, but who gave her a rip? What's in our hand? In the foyer. This morning, a dad turns up on a little scooter, one of those push scooters with his son on one. I said, man, you're in early. Oh, it's my day off, but I get to serve. He said, I said, what are you doing today? He says, oh, I'm interpreting for the Spanish speaking people. I said, man, you're a champion. He says, oh, it's great. I get up early. I'm excited. I said, uh, so how come you're on the scooter? He says, oh, we live way up on the North Shore. I, I had to catch the bus. In fact, today I had to get three different buses to get here. Well done, man. Well done. You know, I'm, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but you know, I couldn't get a car park in two minutes, so I just drove away. I pray that we'll be a church that will be here not for what we get out of it, but for what we bring to those that need to know somebody cares and somebody is able to make a difference. Paul goes on and he says when he quotes that, hey, even in the tough stuff, we keep going. He says, I don't write these things in verse 14 to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you that though there might be 10,000 instructors in Christ, that though there might be 10,000 people that keep the seats warm, that though there might be 10,000 that enjoy just the outer part of the equation, yet there aren't many fathers. And Paul says, because in Christ I've begotten you. I went ahead of you. I paid the price for you. And why wouldn't I? Because He paid everything for me. And I... I do get emotional, but you'll know when it comes to giving that for all of us, I 
have never ever wanted anybody to respond under pressure. I want them to respond according to what God brings to them. Because if you try to do what God doesn't put in your heart to do, then you're on your own. And you know, in Melbourne, in lockdown right now, God is speaking to every one of you, everyone online today, every one of us a part of, I believe, a call from heaven that says, what could we really do? And as I said, to reach the summit, we need to live a tomorrow dream. We need to commit to play our part. The third thing I'd add to that from last week is that all of us need to make sure we carry an extra oxygen supply. Because you can't get to the top without something that has God's breath on it. You'll back out when the going gets tough unless it's been the Word of God that has come to your heart. In fact, if you study climbing, you discover that we can survive for weeks without food. We can survive days without waters, but we can only suffer, uh, survive minutes without oxygen. And as a church, we're committed to go where God wants us to go and to climb Everest is a mountain of more than 8,800 metres in height. Well, they tell us at 12,000 feet or 3,600, thereabouts metres, you only have 40% of the oxygen that you have at base camp. That's why many never leave base camp, down the bottom. And then when you get to 8,000 metres, they call it the death zone. Why? Because that's where the body starts to die. Literally, minute by minute, your cells are dying because you were never designed to be there. The death zone, the climbers, the, their brains and their lungs are starved of oxygen and they have a risk of heart attack and stroke and their judgment becomes impaired. That's why many have died on the final bit. Their blood flow slows down and they can't get warm. There's so much that's in it that's why we sing in this church, it's your breath in my lungs. And I want to encourage our whole church today, throughout this week, as you know, people are giving, some gave last week, today, we've got five months to go to our final ascent, to be praying and just saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? Not what does Pastor Paul want? What is it that you want me to do, us to do as a family, to see a release in the miracle, to see a release in us, to see a release in what's beyond us. And that's the key. It's the oxygen of heaven, divine oxygen that changes everything. It's an amazing thing that they estimate that the climbers need to carry five bottles of oxygen if they really wanna to go to the top. You're gonna to need a God revelation to do what God wants you to do. And that's why the psalmist said in verse 13 of Psalm 27, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, behind me, we're gonna put up the miracles so far. And if you weren't here last week, let's do that right now. It's before us, this goal of 45 million, we had a, a kind of a, an overall plan that uh, builders and Gideons, Gideons being people that have more financial ability that would really dig deep. And I shared yesterday with our financial leaders that across life, both Australia and New Zealand, we had 29 families or individuals, 29 units that committed between 250,000 to over a million. And uh, that's a high level of giving wherever you see it. And so to date where we're at, we have had income from, again, 
Just people in our church, people that are committed to bringing their loaves and fishes of 9.8 million. The Gideons have brought so far 12.9. We received a one-off gift of 14.1 million. And if you weren't here last week, you go, wow. And the, the people that brought that gift, they said they had something supernatural happen and God told them to put something aside and He would show them what the purpose of that something would be. And they thought it was something else, but then God spoke to them as legacy was happening. They're not here in this place in church. They're not in New Zealand, but God somehow caused the whole thing to come together. And they said, God spoke to us that our loaves and fishes were meant for here. And so that has brought us to a total of 36.8 million to date. We're believing that we're gonna see the last, come on, what is it? Eight, 8.2 that's gonna come in, is gonna happen. We, we're going, well, how can that happen in five months? Well, how can you feed 5,000 men, women and children with just a little bit on the side? And we've still got Gideons and other people that have pledged to it a total of 7.3 and some have let us know and when people have let us know and they really believe they can't get there and some things have happened, we, we've taken that off the amount. So we're expecting 4.4 to come in, which brings us to a total of 41.2, which literally means if all that comes in, we are believing God, we can raise 3.8 million. 3.8 million by Christmas this year and go, you know what? God has wore a great gift. It's a five month campaign. I'm gonna get the team to join me, but it's five months to go. And I know for Marie and I, we're part of the Gideons. We made a commitment and God gave us a pathway to do some things and some of that hasn't <laughs> all lined up, but we know we heard from God, so we've got oxygen. So therefore we got a conviction and by God's grace, we, there's no doubt we're going all the way to the top. And if you're new to life, maybe this is your opportunity. You haven't had three and a half years, but to do something very significant. It's gonna take significant gifts. I shared again yesterday with the financial leaders, I wanna make it really clear. I feel like God has really spoken to me that after December, we will not be having a giving campaign next year. It's a bit like how God taught the Israelites, you sow and you farm and you work hard for six years and then you let the land breathe. And so just so that we know, we're, we're all going to have lots of mission, but we're just going to believe that God is going to take us on a journey. We're following the cloud, not the mind of men. And so it's five months we've got team to really be in prayer and really say, okay, God, can you imagine? Can you imagine if every climber, every Sherpa, every porter, everyone that's a part of life said, okay, I'm in for something. And again, I'd like you to take, if you would, just in the seat in front of you, if you just pick this up, this brochure, and there's an envelope there. Of, obviously, we're not collecting this in the service, neither this week or next week. We, this is about a decision that we get to make about what we can do. And if you've already committed and you're yet to fulfil your pledge, this is not about echoing again that. This is if you feel to do something more or you feel to do something that you would say, Paul, we're a part of this and... We're gonna take some time, go online, read the story of legacy, take this little brochure, let it cause you to know that you can do it. You go, well, I don't have much. Do you realise two coffees a week is 10 bucks? <laughs> Come on, just go without 
again, takeaways for a week. And what, what's that gonna save you net? Maybe 20 bucks. Maybe, maybe there's something that you feel God wants you to do. I'm not here to tell you that. It's, I'm just saying, we need the oxygen of heaven if we're gonna go all the way to the top. And we need God to speak. And I'll finish before we sing. Come on team, we're gonna sing a living hope. But Revelation 2 and verse 26. This has been one of the revelations that I've carried for many, many years. Some Scriptures really become a revelation. God speaking to Him who overcomes and keeps my works, not just my words, up until the end. That one, I will give power over the nations. Come on, let's stand together. I'm asking you, I'm asking you to pray and say, Father, would you direct us? Would you lead us? Would you in this season bring the oxygen of heaven, the clarity? Because we're believing we can make an impact all over the world. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.